Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. And joining us on this episode is someone who we've wanted to talk to for a long time. He's Doug Conant. He's an internationally respected business leader who served at the most senior levels of Nabisco Foods, Campbell's Soup, and Avon Products. Doug is the founder of Conant Leadership, which is a mission-driven community of leaders and learners who are championing leadership that works in the 21st century. Doug is also a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author whose latest book is called The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to lift your leadership to new heights. Doug, we thank you so much for joining us. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We wanted to start it off by getting your definition of leadership. What is it in your view? Well, uh, believe it or not, I've actually thought about this a little bit. Uh, <laughs> my, my definition of leadership is it's the art and the science of influencing people in a specific direction. It's not, it, it is, uh, these are human beings we're trying to influence, and there's an art and a science to it, just like there's an art and a science to being a good teacher or being a good parent or being a good podcast host. And uh, so you need to know the science, but you also need to have a feel for the art. How did that art change when everything turned virtual last year, right before the book came out? Well, uh, right after the book came out, pardon well, me. Well, right when the book came out. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, it's a funny thing. I, we launched the book on March 5th on Park Avenue in New York. And on March 6th, we started canceling the book launch. So we launched it right into the teeth of the global pandemic. Uh, but what I was encouraged by is, uh, although we canceled virtually everything and, and started to roll it out again a year later this year, uh, we still, uh, our message resonated with people. We made the Wall Street Journal bestseller list and uh, book sales have held up nicely because I think the story, uh, the way we approach leadership, which is uh, we make it approachable, uh, is, uh, is what has resonated with people. Uh, you know, so many people think about leadership. Well, I've got to go get my Harvard MBA to be a leader or mm -hmm. I'm supposed to go to the mountaintop and study with the monks for years, and then I'll be a leader. And who has time for that? You know, yeah, uh, right. my good friend Warren Bennis, right out in Santa Monica, uh, in 1987, he coined the phrase, it's a VUCA world. Warren was a leader, 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 uh, thought leader in leadership. Uh, in the 20th century, and he called it a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that was in 1987. This pandemic was a VUCA world on steroids. Mm -hmm. and, and so people were looking for approachable ways to be helpful and to lead people who needed their leadership desperately. And what we saw was a real spike in interest as people were wrestling with this and looking for some fresh thinking on, on how to approach it, recognizing that you've got to do it in the middle of your cockamamie life. Mm -hmm. And your cockamamie life is not going to cut you any slack or give you a lot of room to do it. So you've got to find a way that working on becoming a better leader can nest naturally, beautifully in your cockamamie life. And that's what this book is about. For my generation as a millennial, 
being a leader at this time was such an easy thing to do because we all knew how to use Zoom. We knew how to use the technology and we were comfortable with it. Whereas I feel like for my mom's generation, it was a lot tougher. And these people who had been leaders and had been people that so many young people admired in the past for what they'd done, it all of a sudden became like they were irrelevant. What were your thoughts on that? You know, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And I just saw there was a learning curve. Uh, what I've and I believe me, I was part of the learning curve. But people who took more naturally to the technology hit the ground running. People who have more experience and wisdom uh, and were determined to contribute found their way. And I would say that by the middle of the pandemic, people were hitting stride in all generations, all generations. And what you have is you have this. I'm going to go Gen X up to baby boomer generation who has a lot of accumulated wisdom and who's been through some tough times before, which the millennials, quite frankly, haven't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're able to start to leverage that experience and contribute to the conversation in a, in a, in a way by the second half of the pandemic that they weren't comfortable in the first half. So in, from my, my vantage point, I see leaders of all shapes, sizes, perceptions, perspectives, and generations uh, hitting stride with technology. Now, look, Zoom isn't complicated, and uh, even I can do it. So uh, it, I, I don't think, I think it's largely a non-issue now. But you know what? Just having techno- being competent in technology doesn't mean you're a competent leader. And uh, and, and, and the millennials have a long way to go to develop the leadership competency that's going to be required to lead this next generation uh, in the world forward. Uh, and ho- what I'm seeing is very encouraging. They're open to it. They're hungry for it. And, uh, and they're hungry to learn and do better. So I'm optimistic. So you're saying the best leaders aren't necessarily born that way. They're people who are hungry to learn and achieve the top of the ladder in terms of leadership because they've worked hard at it. Yeah, well, I, this is just my perspective, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I love uh, that. You know, I, I know a lot of leaders and I, I've known a lot of leaders. And, uh, and I will tell you the best leaders are learners. Uh, anybody who has an aptitude for influencing others, that's great. Maybe they get a feel for it with the art of it. But if you're trying to influence lots of people, there's a science you have to uh, you have to work on. Also, the uh, you know this is heavy lift. Influencing people is a heavy lift, and then delivering on the promises of those influences is a heavy lift. So, I think uh, you got to work at it. It's like anything else. You know, I, a friend Jeffrey Colvin a thousand years ago wrote a book that said talent is overrated, and. Uh, Jeffrey uh, wrote for, I want to say, Forbes for years in New York. And he studied, it, it's sort of analogous to the 10,000 hour idea, but different. He studied all the people that really excelled in their, in their uh, fields of endeavor. And to a person, they would all tell you, yeah, I had an aptitude for this, but I worked my ass off. You know, I, I, you know you just riding a bike, you get better at it by trying to do it. And then doing it a little better the next time and the next time and the next time. So I would say that leaders may be born with an aptitude for it, but they really refine it 
by working hard at it. We love having you as part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. We know a lot of you want to be your own boss or already operate your own business. That's why we want you to know about Shopify. With Shopify, you'll create an online store in your vibe, discover new customers, and grow the following that keeps them coming back. Hear that? That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes reality. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform that's revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sale channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. Once you start selling, Shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting every type of payment. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's in Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nobody, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash nobody to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash nobody. In studying you and your success, one thing that I found to be so different than my generation is that you really seem to have gained respect because people believed you to be someone who had gratitude for sharing your Mm -hmm. time, whether or not they were the lowest guy on the totem pole or the highest guy. And when I heard that you had written more than 30,000 handwritten thank you notes to people, I was blown away Mm -hmm. because I think that my generation finds it hard to even write a quick email or a text thanking somebody. (laughs) And yet you found the time to handwrite to all these people. Do you think that you would have approached it the same way if you were growing up right now? I often say to groups, if you want people you work with to value your agenda as a leader, you damn well better show them that you value their agenda as a person, you know, and and that's full stop, bottom line. So there are lots of ways to show people you value their agenda and that you're paying attention. I happen to do it, among other ways, with thank you notes. I also believe as a leader, you got to be intentional with this work, you know, most leaders lead by the seat of their pants. And you know, and I do too, probably 70% of the time, I just react to what's coming and I try and make the best decision in the moment. But then there's 30% of every day where I'm being very intentional about what I'm doing. And, uh, and I've thought about what I need to do in order to move the enterprise forward. In this case, we, uh, every large organization is built to be a critical thinking machine. 
I don't care if it's the federal government or the state government or, uh, or a, a, a company like Campbell Soup Company or IBM or Google, you, you're, you're there and you're trained basically to find what's wrong and fix it. And so the, these large organizations are great critical thinking machines. And what you tend to do is go overboard on the critical thinking, even though eight out of 10 things being done in the enterprise are being done right. Even in the most broken companies, we never celebrate what's being done right. And uh, so I thought, well, I got to bring some balance to this while I'm leading Campbell, trying to lead Campbell to higher ground. We're going to find what's wrong. We're going to fix it. But, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. And I want people to be clear that we appreciate the stuff they're doing that's right as much as we want to fix what's being done that's wrong. Think about yourself as parents. Uh, if all you did was criticize your children, you would be doing half the job, right? Mm -hmm. The other half is you got to nurture. And the same thing's true with organizations. So I had a practice where I had a two-hour commute to and from work every day. And I would, uh, and, and I had somebody driving me, but I would have a data dump uh, that my assistant would pull together for me. I read everything that went on in the company that day on the way home. On the way in the next morning, I would have selected 20, 10 to 20 people that I wanted to handwrite a note to. And there's short notes, but, uh, and I would do that basically six days a week for, uh, I did it for 10 years. And uh, I was being interviewed by either Forbes or Fortune when I retired. And they said, we've heard you've written a lot of notes. You, how many have you written? I don't know. So we did the math. That's six days a week, 250 days a year. And it came out to just to Campbell employees. I had handwritten 30,000 notes. Uh, wherever you went in the world, we were in 38 countries with operations and we were marketed in 125 countries. Wherever you went in the world, you would see one of my handwritten notes stuck up in somebody's cubicle saying, thanks for a job well done. I was very careful. It wasn't happy birthday, Susie. It was, <laughs> it was hey, hey, Susan, I just saw you deliver, you over-delivered uh, on your sales quota this month. Or, wow, you just brought the line up uh, at a lower cost than, than planned. Nice job. Or I just saw that you, did, you helped launch a new DEI initiative that's really getting traction. Nice work. Thank you very much. And so I, I was always very careful not to make the notes gratuitous to celebrate contributions of significance. And, uh, and the other thing I did was they went out the day after I learned about them every day. So, uh, and if it was a particularly poignant or meaningful uh, accomplishment, I would FedEx it to their house in Melbourne, Australia. And they would get the handwritten thank you note from the CEO and they would open it at home with their spouse and their children. Mm. And I wanted them to know that we were paying attention and that I appreciated what they were doing. If I carry the story one step further, do you think anybody that worked for me noticed that all their people were hearing from me? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you think they said, well, are we supposed to write all notes too? And I said, no, but we, you are supposed to celebrate contributions of significance. You find the way to do it that works for you. If yeah. you'd like to walk around the manufacturing facility and just talk to people, that's great. Do that. Mm -hmm. Do it any way that works for you. Because one thing I do know is if you're going to say thank you, it needs to be authentic and genuine. 
or it falls on deaf ears. So they had to show up in ways that were appropriate for them. And uh, overall, we created a culture that was that knew what good looked like, what right things were, and that addressed the wrong things. And we went from having the lowest employee engagement in the Fortune 500 when we started to having the absolute highest in the Fortune 500 when I retired 10 years later. Wow. And it had a lot to do, not just with the notes, but the culture we were creating that was, my language, being tough-minded on standards and very importantly, and tenderhearted with people and celebrating what was working as well as dealing with what wasn't. One of the things that you say to leaders is that your life story is your leadership story. Elaborate on that and why it's important. Well, I tell you, it's pretty funny. I did a podcast with with Brene Brown the other day, and she and I are very much on the same wavelength. My favorite quote of hers uh, I always pick a favorite quote every year, just that, that sort of just talks to me, and I use it quite frequently in my speeches. And my favorite quote in 2020 was uh, from Brene, and her quote was, you can either walk inside your story and own it, or you can stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness every day. And that just deeply resonated with, resonated with me, and that's really the spirit of the blueprint. You see, my observation would be, and this is true of me too, that I was the oldest of four boys and I wasn't walking inside my story when I was growing up. I was walking inside my parents' story for me. And then I was walking inside my teacher's story for me. And then I was walking inside my coach's story for me. And ultimately, I went on to graduate school and I was walking inside my graduate uh, teacher's story for me. And then I went to work and I was walking inside my boss's story for me. And I was hustling for my worthiness every day. Then I lost my job. I was fired. And I had a chance to reflect on that with help from an outplacement fellow. And, uh, and I realized, and he called me on this. He said, Doug, he did, this is not the language, but this is the essence of it you're not living your story. You're not walking inside your story. You're too busy trying to make everybody else happy. Uh, You can't display the courage of your convictions because you don't know what your convictions are. And you need to do some real work. You need to, you know, what we say in the blueprint is the only way out of this is to go in. And you need to go inside and you need to figure out what matters most to you and how you want to walk in the world and then find a way to reconcile that with the world you choose to walk in. And so I turned all that around and I'm still working on it. But 38 years since I lost my job, I've just about figured out my story. But I have found the more I walk inside my story, the more influential I am with others who can tell it's coming from a genuine place, a place where I clearly have the courage of my convictions because I've really reflected on it and, and tried to see how it can work for others. And so that's what I'm talking about when inside your story. Uh, my friend Bill George uh, talks about uh, authenticity a lot and uh, in leadership. And, and even in all of that work, he talks about your true north and your authentic self. He tells you, you've got to go, you know, you have to, before you can change the world, you have to change yourself and you have to get in touch with your essence. And that's what I'm trying to help people do with the blueprint. 
it the only like- way out of this is to go inside, wrestle with what matters most to you. And there's a way to do it in the middle of your cockamamie life. There's a way to do it. And then start to bring that out more with the people with whom you live and work. And you'll be, and you'll be better off for it. And you'll be happier. It seems to you like the pandemic actually provided the opportunity for a lot of people who did lose their jobs to really do that digging mm-hmm. to find out what they really liked. Mm-hmm. But now I think people are getting to a point where if they've lost their job, they've given their dreams a try, they didn't work out immediately, they're just panicking, they need that paycheck in. Would you say to them, hey, keep going after your dream, try things a different way, or do they need to just start working for the man again and get that check in? Man or a woman again, by the or way. Or woman, yes, uh, yes, Laura. Come on, true. Come yes, on Laura. ladies. I mean, yes. really. I shouldn't be the one. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just, Two of I'm us just, here, <laughs> you would think, right? I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I don't think there's any, I think you do both. You know, life is not living from epiphany to epiphany. Like, oh, now I get it and I'm going to chase my dream. Life is hard work. It's hard. Uh, let's call a spade a spade here. It's very difficult. That's and true. I've so, never thought about that. Living at epiphany to epiphany. But yeah. God, that, yeah. that makes so much sense. Yeah. That's what and people are doing. Probably, we're looking for quick fixes, right? And yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to read my, the latest Tony Robbins inspiration and I'm going to walk on hot coals and I'm going to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, what, what I believe and what we talk about in the blueprint is it's an iterative process where you just try and do a little better tomorrow than you did today. It's approachable. You know, James Clear has a great book. I don't know if you've talked to him. You should get him on your show. Uh, We want to. Okay. Atomic Habits. Uh, There's a lot of work done in this space. He happens to be the guy, I think, who's been most articulate with it. But BJ Fogg is good, too. And uh, they tell you, I mean, and they've documented that small incremental changes are are much more likely to be long-lasting and have greater impact in the fullness of time. So my approach is very much aligned with that approach. If you want to be a better leader, just look at your day and say, how can I do a little bit better tomorrow? And uh, while I'm still chasing the dream and while I'm still working, trying to get a job with the woman, uh, you know, know, sadly, it's not one or the other. It's usually both. When Jim Collins uh, wrote Good to Great, that's where I first heard the language. Uh, you know, he talked about the genius of the and uh, versus the tyranny of the or. Well, what do you want me to do? Work on my dream or go to work for the woman? No, you do both. And, and you figure it out as you go. And it's, I don't know any other way to do it. I'm, look, I'm very practical here and, I've, and I'm a realist. And uh, I also happen, I'm a strange person because I'm, if you ever studied the art of thinking, there's a book called The Art of Thinking, you would mm-hmm. find that I'm an idealist realist. Uh, I'm very idealistic, but uh, the profession they, they pegged me for, I would be a great nurse in the ER. I want to be helpful. To, I want to help people, but I'm willing to roll up my shirt sleeves and deal with the blood and guts of it, the reality of mm-hmm. it. And that's what I think is required for leaders today. You've got to be idealistic, but you also have to be realistic. And you can't live epiphany to epiphany on a, and, and, and be getting a paycheck at the same time. If you can't, great. 
but 99 out of 100 of us can't. But we can, uh, we can still be aspirational and we can still do a little better tomorrow than we did today. And so this notion of leadership, it's, it's, it's all about uh, continuous improvement or I was on another uh, interview the other day and the guy, the guy called it progressive improvement, which I think is even better. Uh, you can do a little better. And that's what I try and do every day. And the compound returns on that and the fullness of time are meaningful. How can leaders find courage, especially when there's a lot of uncertainty and other people around you may be lacking in courage? Hey, uh, you're, you're in my sweet spot. I devote a chapter in the book after I help people find, hopefully, their own way through this in a way that speaks uniquely to them. In the back half of the book, The Manifesto, we talk about 10 traits I think you need uh, to, to cultivate in the 21st century, and one is courage. And uh, 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 I'm a big Maya Angelou fan. And one of my favorite quotes of hers is about courage. She says to her, courage is the single most important trait because without courage, you can't practice any other trait with consistency mm. because you'll run into a pushback or a challenge and you won't have the courage to play through it. Uh, in my case, I believe that for me, uh, I can't display the courage of my convictions until I've wrestled with what my convictions are. And if you think about each of you yourselves, mm -hmm. when you know what's right, it's something you've dealt with and, you've, and you have a strong feeling about it and you've lived it, you can have the courage of that conviction and champion it with anyone, right? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so what I, I encourage leaders to do is wrestle with your beliefs and your convictions to a point where you're ready to have the courage of those convictions. If you don't wrestle with that internally, it's always going to be difficult for you to manifest it externally. In mm -hmm. fact, I would argue impossible uh, because you'll, you'll meet the immovable force, the boss or the situation that will dominate you and, and cause you to pull back and shrink. Uh, even if you believe it, even if you have a, a, a belief in something, it's not strong enough to stand up and be counted with it. So what I encourage people to do is cultivate your convictions, and then you can manifest the courage of those convictions. That's where it all starts for me. And I find people are pretty lazy. They haven't really <laughs> thought of, well, I, I am too. Uh, uh, but I find people haven't really worked in this territory. They sort of want the easy way out. And of course, that's right. But then when push comes to shove, they don't stand up and they're not willing to stand up and be counted. And uh, if you're a leader, if you aspire to leading people and you have responsibilities in, in certain areas, you better have you better be well anchored in your convictions and prepared to display the courage necessary to get people to follow you. And so uh, that's, that's my thought on courage. I think you have to own it. And I think you have to cultivate it based on your life experiences and your study of the world. And if and the other thing is, if I don't know, I just say I don't know. Uh, or I'm not sure I'm fine with that, too. Uh -huh. But if it's important to me, I'll stand up and be counted. And I've more than once been put in a situation where I've had to stand up and be counted in a really awkward, horrible, 
way, but uh, a couple of those are in the book and, and several of them I can't put in print. Uh, so uh, I, I, that's what I think about that subject. Doug, you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me. So at the end of each show, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you about what it meant to be a leader and those qualities that you didn't learn in a book that you wish you'd known before you went to college, before you went to grad school and before you lost that job, because it would have helped you better prepare for the challenges you would face. I, I would come back to a quote I, I gave you already. And it's, I, uh, but uh, nobody told me that becoming a leader was all about becoming myself. I thought I was supposed to be Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers or John Fitzgerald Kennedy, or you name it, when I was growing up, I thought those were the leaders. And, and, uh, and so I always thought, I, in order to be a leader, I had to lead like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And the epiphany to me is that I have to lead like myself. And, and that's the hard, I got to tell you, it's been the hardest journey for me. Because I was the old, as I said, I was the oldest of four boys. And when you're an oldest, you're sort of taking your cues from the world around you, from your parents, your grandparents, your teachers. So I was looking outside for how should I be showing up? And I wasn't doing enough inside work early enough to, uh, to become well anchored in the person I wanted to be. Now, the good news is that, uh, you know, you, you can do it. And I could do it in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s and start to hit stride. Fortunately, I'm going to live to 120. So I've got another, <laughs> I've got another 50 years you ahead of me. barely scratched the surface. Yeah. Oh, I've, thank God. You know, I've got, I've got all that time ahead of me. But uh, no, that's what, that's what I, you know, you got to, this is inside uh, an inside out process. And I was so busy trying to make everybody else happy. I wasn't tending to my happiness. Uh, and, uh, uh, what I love about my kids and, uh, all of their friends, my oldest is 40. My youngest is 34. Uh, the, uh, they're, they've got better balance. They're, they're, they're more introspective. They're looking within, they're trying to understand themselves better than I did. And I think that's a good thing. Their challenge is to be connecting with the outside world. And uh, uh, it's a different challenge, but I'm optimistic that this next generation of leaders are going to figure it out and are going to lead, lead us to higher ground. And Doug, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet and learn more about the book and about Conant Leadership? Well, uh, first of all, just a quick plug for Conant Leadership. Look, I, I don't take a salary for any of this work. And, uh, uh, and, we charge for a few things. I do some boot camps and I do some speaking, but we, I, we, we charge enough to cover the cost of serving our community. And then if we make any extra money, which we usually do, we give it away to other organizations. So I am not paid for any of this work. I'm in it. I've been doing it now for 10 years for all the right reasons of just trying to be helpful. Conant Leadership, you can go to us at conantleadership.com. Uh, to our website. Uh, you can follow us on me on LinkedIn or 
uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We, we don't have a large, we, we, you know, we, we have a quality dialogue going on with about 400,000 people every day on the, on the subject of leadership. And they're all people who just trying to help each other do a little better today than we did yesterday. And uh, so you can go to conantleadership.com, you can, uh, uh, the website, or you can just follow us on, on our social media platform. Uh, well, Doug, we're just is, trying to help. This has been an absolute delight. And we love you even more than we thought we were going to love you. How did <laughs> We didn't even know that was possible. We love the Brene Brown interview, oh, by God. the way. Well, uh, well, I'm glad you did. Uh, we, we, we are uh, two peas in the same pod, I, I think. But, uh, and I've enjoyed this. Yeah, you ladies are, are pretty good at this. I think, you, you know, if you keep your nose to the grindstone, I think you can make something of yourself. <laughs> I really do. Well, we're I'm very optimistic. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. We are too. We are too. But thank you so much for joining us, Doug. This has really All just right. been a, such a pleasure. All right. All right, ladies, you have a good day. You too. Our thanks again to Doug Conant, whose latest book is called The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. And again, his website is ConantLeadership.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.